I'm Jackie. I'm a cold silver eater. I'm all tied up here. Okay. Um, hi. Hi. Grateful to be here today. It's early. Uh, I woke up really early this morning to be here. I came from Orange County. I know. It's so far. <laughs> um, thank you. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> um, I'm grateful to be here. I brought my mom. She's visiting from New Jersey. She's here. Um, and thanks, Mom. Um, thank you for asking me to speak here. I'm sorry if you just heard me at Serenity Sunday a couple weeks ago. I'll try to make my story different. Um, anyway, um, I'm grateful, grateful for Overeaters Anonymous. It saved my life. Um, my life was headed to death's door when I was only 24 years old, and I found this program, and it saved me. So. I'm always so grateful to come and share my experience, strength, and hope to anybody. Um, oh, here are my pictures. I apologize for some of the pictures in there. I just really had to show you what it was like before in picture form, so have fun looking at them. Um, so I came into program February 28, 2011. Uh, I just celebrated seven years of program and in recovery, and I've given away 200 pounds. And have maintained that weight loss for seven years, which is a miracle. Because um, I really like food, you guys. <laughs> I, really, really do. Um, I still really like food. <sighs> so um, let's start from the beginning. I grew up in New Jersey, um, a middle child, which was my first problem. Um, <clears throat> always wanting attention, always wanting extra everything. I wanted uh, more hugs, more kisses, more toys, more everything. I just, con- I, I think at the age of three, I felt that compulsiveness at three. Um, there wasn't enough of anything to satisfy me. And I, I remember when my, when my sister was born, when I was three, I, I think she was getting a lot of attention. There's a video of me screaming in the corner um, of the video because my finger hurt and I just really wanted attention because you know, it was all on my sister. And like, that's just like me in a nutshell, like just screaming for attention. Um, and so I found, um, I was uncomfortable because of that. So I found somehow that food made me feel comfortable. Food made me feel like I was whole and something I could control because I just felt so uncomfortable. And so like, I'm, I'm very like empathic. So I just pick up on a lot of feelings and I, I think there were some things going on in my family that I didn't understand and um, I dealt with it by eating. Um, so my weight wasn't really an issue until I think I was eight years old when I saw my first nutritionist. Um, I, I remember at the pediatrician's office, my parents, I would see my doctor and then my parents went into this office with her to talk like privately without me in there, but I was like listening in and I remember her saying like, we're really worried about Jackie's weight and I was like eight years old and I was like, oh my God, like what, what? You know, I already felt really weird and then that kind of became my focus. The focus was my weight and um, I saw a nutritionist and she was like, you need to eat this instead of that and this. And I just felt so uncomfortable like as a child in school already. And then I had to go go to school and eat differently than everyone else in in school and eat really boring lunches that my mom packed for me because she was following the rules of the nutritionist. And I was just like bummed out. I I felt like I was missing out on on life because I wasn't eating like fruit roll-ups and like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I don't know. Um, So... 
Uh, I started sneaking food. I started stealing money from my dad's coin um, thing on his counter so I could get my favorite snacks at school. And this went on till middle school and high school where I was just sneaking food. And once I got my driver's license, it was, you know, like a free-for-all because I had some more freedom. And I would leave high school and I would go to my favorite fast food restaurants, eat really fast and like stuff it under the passenger seat door and then go home and have dinner with my family um, and then leave that night and go hang out with my friends and go get drunk and be stupid and then eat. You know, it was always like, I need food. Like it was always like, give me food, give me food. Um, and so my weight was creeping up and I was um, being teased a lot in school for my weight and that was just like a constant thing and my parents solution for that was to send me to Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, nutritionists, um, counselors and like weight loss coaches or trainers or whatever and like that's how they tried to help me you know and I don't really know what would have helped but that didn't so um, <laughs> I um, I just don't think my, my family knew how to handle like this compulsive little child and that's that's okay you know and um, only God can actually that's what I learned in this program is um, anyway so um, let's see I went to college and then I gained like a hundred pounds in my first semester of college no problem um, it was very easy I just was so uncomfortable again and I um, on campus you can eat food like 24 7 there's always and it's always bad food or like you know like the easier like softer food you know um, and <laughs> I yeah I just I don't know I just ate myself into obesity like to morbid obesity and um, I managed to get through classes barely barely graduated college because I was so tired all the time I was doing I was participating in drugs too I'm, a, I'm sober and Alcoholics Anonymous also and like that um, happened at the same time because I just like I just have this disease of more and there was just this emptiness inside of me that I found anything to fill with number one was food number one my drug of choice was food I always put it was always food first and then the other things came after that um, I used drugs and alcohol to deal with the craziness that existed in my head because of my disease and I didn't know that at the time and um, I didn't know that I needed like a spiritual solution and all that fun stuff that I found in this program. So, food, drug of choice, food, drug of choice, cheese, candy, bread, any, really anything. Like, I, I don't think I've ever binged on like, no, I binged on carrots once. Um, maybe like lettuce? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I, like, so I barely got to class. I'd fall asleep in class because I was high and I was full, like really, really full. Um, my campus was a small campus in Connecticut. It was a private school, so it wasn't very far to walk to class, but I did not want to walk to class because it was like up a tiny little hill, so I would drive to class, um, and I would get so many parking tickets that I didn't even care because I was like, I'm not walking my fat ass up to that hill for class. Um, I... <laughs> So I was, you know, because of that, I, I had some emotional issues and I didn't know how to deal with it. And um, I decided to start to see, started, I decided to start to see a therapist. Wow, that was a mouthful. Um, because I was like, outside solution, fix, 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 inside problem. 
Um, so, like, I, like my parents did when I was younger, this is what I did in college. So I got therapists, I got on psych meds because I was depressed and anxious and all that stuff. And but I didn't talk about my eating, I didn't talk about my using at all. It, it was something that I didn't think was a big deal. Like, I grew up in an Italian and Jewish family, so food is very important, right? <laughs> uh, we have a lot of holidays around food, and so I was like, I'm just. I just kind of came to the acceptance and realization, I guess, that this is this fat part of me is who I am, am and I just really like food, and I'm just always going to be on antidepressants the rest of my life. And that was like what I decided, um, and that was okay for me then. Um, that marginalized life that I was like looking forward to, I was like, as long as I have I have my food and my cat, I'll be happy, and life will be okay. And so let's see, I. Looking for, yeah, looking for something to fix me on the outside, not working on the inside. I was blaming everybody for my weight. I was um, just not participating in life. And I graduated college. I lived on my own for two years in Connecticut and became um, like a recluse. Like I was afraid to leave my house. Um, I would order food for... I would order like three different meals and pretend people were in my house when I would order them because I was so embarrassed about how much food I was ordering. I would go grocery shopping and, and always be, be having parties, always. Like, it's a fire party. Um, I would go through the drive-thru and order a ton of value meals and get uh, uh, extra drinks even though they were all coming to me so they didn't know it was like one drink for five meals. Um, and, yeah. So, I mean, I left my house to get my drug of choice, you know, and like that was all I did. And I became really depressed and really sad and I um, wanted to die. Like I just wanted to die. I did not want to live anymore. This was, this was not, I knew it wasn't as good as my life could be, but I didn't think I had it in within me to change anything. And I um, had this psychotic breakdown because I stopped taking my, my meds and I cut all my hair off. I have really big curly hair. It's like up right now. But um, I hated everything about my body, and the only thing I loved about myself was my hair, and I destroyed that. And that was, like, psych hospital stay number one. Um, and, you know, I just was so sad. I wanted to I, – I just did not want to live anymore. I, like I said, I didn't, know what, I didn't know what to do. I felt like I missed something in my life. I felt like um, I missed the class on how to be an adult out of college or how to just function in the, in world, in the world how to feel okay without a substance. Like, I didn't know how to do that. I needed a substance every single time, whether it was a medication, whether it was a drug, whether it was food, whether it was male attention-seeking or shopping. It was always something. Um, so my parents were, for my safety, moved me back to New Jersey, and I continued to do the, th the same thing for two more years, and I reached the weight of 400 pounds. Um, and this is when I was, like, really trying to control my eating because I knew it was becoming a problem. And I was eating out of the garbage can because I was trying to stop myself from eating. I'm like, no, don't eat this. Throw it out. Throw it out. And then I would, five minutes later, be in the garbage can going through it. I would even, like, this is so gross, but I share it because, like, someone's going to relate. I have a cat, and I would put cat litter on top of the food, and that never stopped me before. I definitely went through that. Um, I just brushed it off a little bit. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I would, you know, I just uh, would eat till I was sick. I would go to sleep and wake up and do the same thing over and over again. Uh, I didn't have a job. I was living off my um, some money for my family. Um, I had everything I thought I wanted, and I was completely miserable. 
And so, again, my mom and I, my mom was very involved in trying to help me at this point in my life, and we, we tried to find an outside solution again, and a new doctor, a new uh, trainer, a new therapist. And I saw this life coach, and she was like, you're a compulsive reader. And I was like, excuse me? Like, what? I'm just Italian and Jewish, and I really like food. Um, and I'm like, I have a genetic disposition to, be, to being fat. Like, it's in my family. Like, so that's the, it's, yeah. Um, and she gave me this book, like, about it, and, I, and she asked me to go to OA meeting, and I said no. And she's like, well, if you, if you want to continue to see me, you need to go to OA meeting. And I was like, fine, I'll go to OA meeting. So I went to one in New Jersey. I was the youngest person there. I was the fattest person there. And all these women were really, like, nice to me, and, like, it made me uncomfortable because I did not like myself. And um, I gave them my phone number, which was a huge mistake because they called me for, like, two weeks after the meeting. And, like, during my binges, and I'm like, please, I'm like, I'm literally in the middle of stuffing my face with french fries. Like, can you call me later? Like, I do not want to talk to you about God, you know? Um, I did not believe, I believed in God, but I didn't believe God wanted anything to do with me. So I did not want to hear that. I was like, please don't talk about God. So that was my first introduction to OA. Um, so then my next solution was to get gastric bypass surgery. Um, and I went through all the tests and all that. And I'm like, this is it. This is going to change it. This is going to change my stomach size. And that will change things. Because I physically will not be able to eat what I want, whenever I want it. Um, and so I got, I, I had all the meetings. And my last meeting was a psych evaluation with the psychiatrist. And I was honest for the first time in my life about how crazy I was and how much I obsessed about food. And he looked at me and he was like, we can't approve this surgery. You're, you're you are not well, like you, you have a disease. And I was devastated. I was like, what? Like, this is the only solution I see. What else am I supposed to do? Like, I have nothing to live for. I was, I was 24 years old, 400 pounds, wanting to die. I couldn't fit into clothes anymore. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, I drove my car and I felt like it was tipping a little bit and I couldn't walk up the stairs. And I mean, thank God I had no medical issues right then at that moment, but I stopped going to the doctor, so I might have. I don't know. There were scales that didn't have my weight anymore. Um, and I was just done. I was like, this is it. Like, I just want to die. And um, fucking God. Sorry. I mean, curse. Oh, crap. It's on the recording. Sorry. <laughs> God. I'm sorry, God. Okay. Um... I was talking about God anyway. Just the, for the grace of God, something happened. Someone intervened and suggested this treatment center to my mom. This place in Arizona, and I went for emotional problems, um, and didn't want to talk about the food either or the other stuff. And I don't know what happened, but I just became willing to follow a meal plan and to follow the direction of the facility. And they moved me out to California to do um, secondary care for drug and alcohol addiction and eating disorder and binge stuff. And guess where they brought me to OA meetings? And I was like, are you serious? Like, really? This is where we're back to again. Um, I had just, I would try to hide in the treatment center when they were going, getting on the shuttle to go to the, the OA meetings. Um, I, it only worked one time. Um, 
And then after that, I had to get a court card signed for OA meetings. Not a court card, but like a meeting card. You know, like people do an AA, but I had to do for OA because I was that bad. Um, I just was so unwilling. I wanted to find any other way to do it besides OA. I didn't want the God thing. I didn't want the 12-step thing. I didn't think it was going to work for me. I really didn't. I thought I was that person that it wouldn't work for. Um, and so I was forced to go to these meetings, and it was all women's meetings, and I was listening to these women speak about li- their life and the things they were going through that, was, that were struggles and how, like, this one woman was sharing that her husband just died, but she's sitting in a meeting crying and being supported by all these women and still wanting to live life, still not compulsively overeating. And I'm like, how do you do that? Like, I don't get that. Um, I'm miserable all the time if I don't have my food. Um, and so I just stopped talking because I did a lot of that because I wanted everyone to know everything about me and I thought I knew everything. I still do sometimes. Um, and I just listened. I listened to those women, shared their experience, strength, and hope, and I wanted what they had finally. I was like, fine, I'll do whatever it takes to be that free because I felt it. I felt it. I saw it in their eyes. I felt it in their you know, like I said from the beginning, I'm, I feel people's energies, and I just felt surrender, you know. And um, so I got a sponsor. I worked the steps. Um, I followed this meal plan, and in three and a half years, I lost 200 pounds, um, which is, I cannot tell you how I did that. I literally cannot tell you the equation that it was just going to meetings and following direction and and believing in a higher power. That was it. I did not go on a diet. Um, I really even went to the gym, honestly. It was crazy. Um, It's so hard to go to the gym. Anyway, I I got an ego from that. I got a big, big ego because I stopped working my program and I was sponsoring all these women. I was like, I'm so great. I lost 200 pounds. Look at me. And I was like 28 years old. So I was like, I'm a hot piece of, you know, whatever. And like, um, and then I started feeling miserable again. I started feeling like I felt when I was 400 pounds. And I'm like, hmm, maybe it's not about my weight. Maybe it's about this, this thing right here. Um, and so I didn't want to believe that, so I decided to get two surgeries to remove skin off my body to be even better looking because I was like, no, it's my body, it's my arms, it's my stomach, it's, you know, that extra skin because there was that, but I had such a hard time accepting my body. So I did those two surgeries, still felt the same way. Long story short, um, again, back to the inside job. You know, it was not about my weight ever really. It was about that hatred that my disease that centers in my mind thank you um that just berates me literally just puts me down all the time and it's like it's nobody's voice but my disease you know and um and that's why I have to continue to go to meetings and continue to share my story and sponsor women and continue to work the steps because I'll always have this disease it will always be in the back of my head it's quieter now definitely quieter but some days it is so loud it's like you, you know, you can eat whatever you want or like nobody likes you. So why do you do anything? Why do you even leave your house? Like that's what it says to me. It's just like my disease trying to pull me back into that, that sedentary lifestyle, you know. Um, and so I got serious again with the steps and I got a new sponsor and I worked the steps. And I had, you know, in the, these past like four years or so, my life has completely changed I feel comfortable in my body. I am participating in life. I um, 
I am a part of my family. I'm not. I'm not a problem in my family. I'm. I'm. I offer solution to my family and to my friends and to my job. And um, I just wanted to share um, a high power thing first, and then I'll be done. Um, I have probably you guys have heard this before, but I had such a hard time with my higher power. I didn't believe, like I said, that my higher power wanted anything to do with me. But in those these last four years, I just developed a relationship with a higher power that is stronger than any relationship I have and it's so important to me. I write letters to my higher power and my higher power writes them back to me and he writes, my higher power writes letters to my disease telling me to shut up. Shut up. Leave her alone. You know, Um, because I need a higher power that's stronger than my disease. Um, And I had, so about two years ago I was going through a breakup and, or I was going to break up with this person and I, was having such a hard time getting to some faith about it, that everything was going to be okay. And my sponsor kept saying, replace your fear with faith, replace your fear with faith. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. I hear what you're saying, but I, how do I actually do that? And she's like, just pray, like, just pray about it. Um, and so that was like going on for two weeks. I still didn't break up with this person. And um, I went to a meeting one night and guess what the topic was? Replace your fear with faith. Ha ha, thanks higher power. You know, like that's how my higher power shows up. It literally, he like, smacks me in the face with like with like surrender you know or like hey I'm here it's okay you know um and after that meeting I drove home went to my apartment and have a assigned parking spot where I was living and I got out of my car and I look on the ground and there's a fortune on the ground in my parking spot and it was like turned over there's no cookie it was just a fortune um, <laughs> but you better believe I would have eaten it like before a program it was on the ground um and so I picked up the fortune, and guess what it said? Replace your fear with faith. And I always hear that story because it just blows my mind. Like, of all of the fortune cookies in the world, <laughs> that one was in my parking spot? Like, you know how many fortune cookie companies there are? I don't, but I'm sure there's more than, like, one. And I don't know who called who to get that in my parking spot, but that's got to be God. And that, I have moments like that pretty frequently for God to remind me that he's here and he's taking care of me, that everything take, worked out for me anyway. I don't have to worry. I just have to follow my meal plan, be of service, go to meetings, be honest with my, with my family and friends, make amends when I need to do a nightly 10-step, you know, do a four-step if I have a resentment. It's a simple, simple program. It's hard. It is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. But it's so, so worth it. And my life is amazing today. It's not perfect, but it's beautiful. And um, I'm just so grateful for Overeaters Anonymous. I'm grateful for for everyone I've met in it. And um, yeah, that's it. Thank you. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not of those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Um, please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. I will restate the question for the podcast also. Who would like? Go ahead. Um, thank you. Um, you said you feel like you're not on a diet. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like for you? Okay, so she asked, I said I felt like I'm, I'm not on a diet, so what does that look like for me? So, like, what is my... Abstinence? Is that kind of? I guess what yeah. abstinence and, and, and 
how you don't have that same deprivation if one would on a diet. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I realized that I didn't need as much food as I thought I did. Honestly, like, I, I don't. And, like, for my body size, and, um, like, I used to eat, when I was, like, 300 pounds, I could eat a lot and still lose weight because it was, I, I don't know if it's easier to lose weight when, you, when you're that heavy, but, like, when you stop eating every second to, like, three times a day, it it comes drastically. So in the beginning, it was just three, three meals a day and a snack and nothing in between. Um, and now it's kind of the same thing. Um, my portions are a lot smaller. I, I do some intuitive eating also where I, where I eat slower and I kind of pay attention to, to how I'm feeling and, and I stop when I'm full or I eat when I'm hungry. I, I still do the three meals in a sack though. Um, and I, I definitely have some food that I can't keep in my house, like certain cookies and snacks and stuff. Um, so I make my home safe with, with my binge foods. Um, but I don't really abstain from any any particular food. So, um, does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah, so it doesn't feel like a diet because I don't feel deprived of food. If I want to have like something, if it fits in my, if I'm hungry for it, if it fits in my meal plan, then I try to work it out, you know. And I always send my food to my sponsor at, um, at the end of the day so she knows what I'm eating. So I just turn it over so I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Fine. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Sure wonderful. Thank you. Um, kind of piggybacking on that. Um, you said you first, where you first got some sense of recovery was actually not in OA, but in a program in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Or like a center treatment center. Mm-hmm. So what do you think it was about that um, treatment that resonated, and how does that now relate to your recovery in OA? Um, honestly, I didn't learn that much there. It was more like a vacation, <laughs> seriously. But I, but I was, um, but they did teach me how to eat balanced meals. And the, and what, like I said to her in the beginning, it was just cutting it down to three meals, like eating three. Not that they were even meals because there was still a lot of food, but it was just three times a day. So it drastically changed my 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 outside appearance because I was eating so much less. So what I got from that. The little part I got from that was I had a disease there. I did not think it was a disease. I, I blamed myself for my weight my entire life or other people. And I learned there that, no, it's an illness. And, like, I need to take my medicine for it. And I don't, people don't shame themselves for having cancer or diabetes or any, or any disease. So why should I shame myself for having, being a compulsive overeater and having an eating disorder? Something that I've had since I was three years old, you know? And so I learned that there. And that's helped me drastically through my entire recovery. So, thank you. Awesome. That's a great question. So, she wanted me to ask or kind of elaborate on the God writing, the letters stuff. Um, so, Usually I do it when my sponsor tells me to do it, <laughs> to be honest. So, um, but sometimes if I'm really like spinning out of control, I'll just just write a same hand and everything. I'll just write, and my handwriting is horrible. It's it's un, it's illegible sometimes because I'm just writing. I think faster than I can write, and like I think faster than anything, honestly. Um, and and then I 
read it out loud and then God writes back and for some reason it is always more legible when God writes, writes back I swear to God it's always a, it's just lighter strokes and it's just like clearer it's not as like pressed into the the notebook um, I mean I had one experience where I was just complaining to God I was just like I want this and why don't I have that and I've done blah 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 and like God, like, I don't know where this stuff comes from. And God wrote back, like, you, like, he's like, I don't want you to have everything you want because I need to stop growing. And I was like, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> like, I was like, that makes so much sense to me because I just want to, like, keep being the best version of myself. And if I had everything I've ever desired right now in this moment, I wouldn't grow. Like, I wouldn't be, you know, that productive woman in my life, you know. So that was a really cool letter that happened. So thanks for that question. So you said that you came in three and a half years after you had a program, mm-hmm. and then you started working with the program. Yes. If I understand correctly. Um, and you some of your sponsors were in the meetings, you were in that stuff in the first three years. How did it look different to be working in a program as opposed to being in the program? What was that like? Um, that, okay, it's a great question. So, yes, yeah, so what was the difference between working the program and being in the program? So my first three and a half years of weight loss in this program was just being in the program. Um, it, it, that was, like, just acting horribly outside of meetings, not acting with grace and dignity and not acting like somebody in recovery. But in the meetings I was, for sure. I bet I was going to save my face for sure, or my, what, I don't know, no. what is the, what, is this save your ass first? I don't know, it doesn't matter. I was concerned with only myself, basically, and I was um, messing around at work, I was being a poor friend, I was having an affair, like, it, I, I didn't even do that stuff in, without, before recovery. I just had so much to work on that I did not want to work on and I was so uncomfortable that I didn't want to really thoroughly work the program and like act like somebody who's working the program. So when I got a new sponsor and started working the program, I stopped doing things in my life that I needed to make amends for and I needed to, you know, clean up for every day and it was, um, I felt less like I was trying to control my life and I felt more like I was enjoying it when I was working the program. So that was like the, the huge difference. I, I look back on those those three years and I have a lot of shame about it still because just like morbid, morbidly reflecting on it. But hey, it brought me to who I am today. So thanks for that question. It was great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, is it possible that you, there was a certain point where you started getting very honest is there, do, you, do you know where that point was? Yes, I know exactly where that point was. So, um, my second surgery for the skin removal, I was I had to sit in this like stupid, it wasn't stupid, but it was helpful. This like chair that like lifts you out of it, like it, it was like a remote control thing, and I would just had to sit there for two weeks and do nothing and just be uncomfortable and that was my that's been my main problem in my entire life I don't know how to sit still and be uncomfortable and I literally had to do that because if I did move I would ruin my stitches you know so it was like a physical um, test in, in surrender um, and my, my sponsor said you know you just have to trust that you're going to be okay 
and that you're going to get through this. And that was it. And I was like, okay, fine. And so that's when I started when OA was showing up for me because like people would bring me meetings and that was just really cool. And then I was like, this is, this is, this needs to change. Like I need to change. And because if I can't sit still for two weeks in this, I can't sit still in life, you know, and that's kind of the moment I think that I've identified with, with where I became more honest about how I was feeling. And that's when I became honest with myself and others. Thanks for the question. Just hand back there. Yeah. Okay, cool. So our question was, what was the shift in having a relationship with God um, since it was so difficult in the beginning? I think that the idea, like, of the, the, the third step is, like, you can decide what kind of higher power you want. Because in my head, I, I, didn't, I don't like to share because I don't know if that's a compulsive reading um, characteristic, but I do not. I still don't. Um, and I had in my head that God was, was this big guy in the sky that had to take care of everybody. Like, all of the things. The squirrels, people in other countries, and all you people. I'm like, wh- where does he have time to take care of Jackie? You know? Like, I was like, what, what the hey, you know? So I decided to change my, my idea of God and that God is my friend. God is, or I just say God is really a higher power is beside me, walking with me hand in hand, and that that is, that is my understanding of God, like who created me, who has this plan for me, and my higher power appears in hummingbirds, um, and I, I have a tattoo back here actually, and every time I've had a very difficult transition, there's been a hummingbird. One time it almost literally hit me in the face, like I swear to God, the hummingbird. I was like, hey. Um, so that kind of, that shift was was when I was when I was told you can make your own higher power, and I had to identify. I also, let me say really quickly, was relying. This, this is going to sound weird, but I was sober. I mean, I'm still sober. I was for those th- the time that I was acting out in OA and all that, um, and I decided that I was relying on a higher power that was helping me to be relieved with alcoholism and not with my with my overeating. So I decided to get a a second one to help with my overeating. So I have kind of like two. And you can do whatever you want. You can have five. It's fine, you know. So that kind of helped me too. Yeah. Go ahead. Thank you, Jackie. Okay, so your question was having being a mother with a teenage daughter having weight problems to skip all of like the nutritionist stuff and going to OA. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I can answer that question um, with like a with a definite side to each of it. I think that for all twelve step programs, you have to decide if you want to do it or not. Like no one can kind of be like go to you know like like if I had a daughter who's having weight problems, I'd be like. Away, away, you know. But I wouldn't be like, I would be like, here, directory, but I wouldn't be like, you know, go to the meeting. Because, um, like, for me, like, my mom did everything she could to help me. 
in her in her own power and could not until I became willing, you know. And honestly, I I think that what I needed when I was younger was just to someone to tell me I was okay the way I was, and then I and then I was I was okay. And I don't think I got that enough to know that like being a heavy child at eight years old was okay and that it would pass or I would just grow into my weight because it wasn't okay then, you know. And I think that that was a big part of it too. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh God! Thank you for that question. Um, she asked how I deal with anxiety. Is that five minutes? Thank you. Okay. How I deal with anxiety without food? Okay, I have like the worst anxiety, so I really appreciate that question. I had less anxiety when I was eating, honestly, because I was I was uh, pacifying or numbing my drugging myself basically. Um, how I deal with it now, um, I have to talk about it. I have to be like, dude, I'm spinning out. And even if I think it's the, the dumbest thing I'm spinning out about, I have to, to, to talk about it out loud to my friends. I have a lot of women in recovery who I text on a daily basis. Um, I also talk myself off the ledge. I like speak out loud and actually be like, Jackie, it's okay. Like, everything's fine. Um, I, I focus on my breath. I remind myself to breathe. I've done. A, I practice a lot of meditation, um, grounding. Also, um, I'm, I'm a drug and alcohol counselor, so I use that with my with my clients. And and like the grounding thing that I do is I look at my my feet on the ground and I go and like make sure because sometimes I have them up. Like I always have. Like I'm pretzeled up. And I look at the at the ground and I pay attention to where my feet are and they're on the ground. And like that just brings me back to what I can control right now is right now, you know, but it's definitely something I still struggle with. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm an expert at anxiety. I, I, I get crazy sometimes with it and I, you know, have other outside issues. I use like smoking, which I'm not going to quit yet, but I will. I promise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you mentioned not having the playbook for how to be an adult. Mm-hmm. How has uh, the program helped you get there? Okay, so basically the simplest way I can answer that question, which is um, how how have I gotten through life as an adult? Well, how has program helped me be an adult, basically? Um, contrary action, literally contrary action. I don't... I don't always want to go wake up and do life, but I do it anyway. Um, I don't always want to go to the gym, but I do it anyway. You know, I don't always want to go to meetings, but I do it anyway. And also, because of those things, because I show up and because I'm on time for my job and because I'm um, on time for classes in, in school and I sit in the front and I raise my hand and ask questions and participate, like, I've gotten all straight A's. I've gotten involved in this internship I got hired I'm going to be hired in this internship um, and I'm going to be a drug and alcohol counselor which is something I've always wanted to do but I was too afraid to do it like this all wouldn't have happened if I didn't take contrary action and stop listening to my disease and just do it Um, because and also like really having relationships with people that's an adult thing too and like just owning my part and and my and things and um, when I've wronged somebody be like hey I'm really struggling with this, and I'm sorry. Like I, I've been, I've been a bad friend. Like I have, I have a friend in here right now who literally called me out and said, "When you're in, when you're in your food, you were a horrible friend." And I said, "What?" But she needed to say that because I needed somebody to tell me that my disease affects other people, not just me. 
And so that has helped me become a better person and a better friend because of that, like all the honesty. So thank you for your question. Do we have time for one more? Okay. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I'm um, experiencing some confusion in all the new okay. and defining my abstinence, mm-hmm. and I am working with an outside person, nutrition-wise, mm-hmm. meal plan-wise, and my sponsor said to me they're not the same thing, abstinence and your meal plan. So okay. I don't yeah. know if they are for you or whatever, but if you could talk about that. Sure. I um, also, so your question is, is abstinence and meal plan not the same thing? Or you're having confusion about that. So um, I see a nutritionist uh, still, and she's helped me with, with the weight loss and following this meal plan, because I, I literally have no idea how to eat, and she helped me with that, and she still does. Um, my abstinence and my meal plan are not the same. My abstinence is showing up to meetings, um, not weighing myself. Um, what else is it? Um, not ever leaving program. I've definitely, and this is just my opinion, you guys, it's not everyone will relate. Um, I've definitely overeaten before. I've definitely eaten more than I should have in my meal plan. I've definitely skipped a meal. Um, I've definitely had more than three meals a day in a snack. Um, I've gained weight in the program. I've lost more weight in the program. I mean, I've been in between like 10 pounds, like let's say. And I have to, for me, because my disease is so... It, so loud I can't do this perfect like abstinence like cutthroat like restart abstinent restart abstinence because I just would beat myself up so I just wear my abstinence or my meal plan as a loose garment and and learn from it instead of beat myself up from it I learned that I can't have Oreos in my house how did I learn that because I ate too many in my house you know like so I don't keep in my house so that so instead of re, you know restarting it, so that's been my experience. That's what has worked for me. Okay. Well, that's it.